Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. I'm Richard Roper. Coming up in just about a minute, we're going to talk to Adam Carolla, comedic genius and podcast inventor, I think. Pretty much. He's in the Guinness Book of Records as the most downloaded podcast in history. He started doing it about a dozen years ago, and now there's just the two of us. We're the only other ones doing podcasts, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly right. And he's going to be playing in Chicago on Friday, September 24th at the Park West Theater. We'll talk to him about that as well. And also, Norm MacDonald and a couple of yeah, other... They were, they were friends for years and worked together on a lot of things. Newsworthy things. But first, let me tell you that Roan Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly. And to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, Offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing. It drives your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. Joining us on screen time right now is our good friend and our old friend, Adam Carolla. Adam, it is good to talk to you. It's been too long, my friend. I totally agree. Thanks for having me. So you're coming to Chicago, I believe it's this Friday, the famous Park West venue. Yes, played there uh, many times and I'm coming back. Yeah, you and I, I think did one of your podcasts from backstage at the Park West a few years ago. So I got to ask you, right? So you're doing the live stuff. When did you start doing uh, live shows again? Or did you ever stop? Knowing you, you might not ever have stopped. <laughs> I never stopped. I uh, just found whatever city state you know that would have me mainly uh, you know texas florida tennessee and just continued doing shows so i i never i slowed down a little during the pandemic because so much of the country was closed down but never stopped as long as there was somewhere to go i went now what was the difference between pandemic audiences and before the pandemic audiences some of it was just Strictly volume. Some places were at half capacity, you know, five eighths capacity. Like they moved around the capacity a little bit. But besides the capacity, uh, nothing really, because it's a self selecting group of people that want to go out and see a show. So you're not dealing with a fearful group because they wouldn't come out of the house and go to the mm -hmm. comedy club if that was their wiring. So it's like a self selecting group. And they wanted to get out and laugh, and laugh they did. Laughs were had by all. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> or as uh, as a medical profession would say, super spreader event, because people are laughing and more of whatever it is, virus comes out during laughter, which means all the joy I thought it was the lost. best medicine. Now you're saying I, it's I don't the know. worst medicine? I just, I'm just Ooh. quoting the CDC or somebody. So did you find now that things have kind of lightened up? I know they're tighter for the moment, but as they've lightened up, are the audiences getting bigger? Are they getting... Uh, any different in terms of uh, you know how they're reacting to the material? I just played a bunch of sold out shows in Minneapolis, and you know that was kind of the first time I've been in a room that was really sold out in the last year and a half. But now I haven't noticed the people who want to go to the club, the people that are my fans, they're not that phased by this whole thing. You know, I've, I've known people in two different camps. And I know people that have been scared to death of this thing. And, you know, I remember one friend, mostly Hollywood types, where I said to him early on, like, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Do you want me to stop by and say hi? And he's like, well, you can't come in. 
And I was like, why? And he's like, well, because of the pandemic. And I was like, oh. And he's like, well, we could have a beer in the driveway. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then there's other people I know who have never even thought about it. I've never discussed it with them. Most of the blue-collar guys I know aren't that interested in it and just sort of get on with it. And that's just been this nation. And I've, I've experienced uh, both of them. You know, it's interesting because I have friends that only let me have beers in the driveway even before the pandemic and wouldn't let me into their houses. So, uh, you <laughs> that know, that's, just, me, that's just that. You know, Adam, you mentioned, though, you mentioned like, you know, Hollywood types and whether you're in show business or just, you know, regular folks, you keep hearing people talking about how they've lost friends over this, you know, over debating about the pandemic or getting the vaccine. You know, to me, it's like you should be able to work around that. You know, you disagree. If you don't want to go to someone's house, don't go. But have you experienced that? Have you been shunned by anybody because uh, because you kind of feel like, listen, we're getting on with our lives? It's hard to tell. Sometimes being shunned is like radon poisoning. You're never quite sure <laughs> if it's happening or not. Um, I'm sure there's been some shunning heading my direction, uh, but I, I don't really think about it that much. I have plenty of friends from all sides of the aisle, and I see spend as much time as I can with them. You know, the ones that are on the more left-leaning side of the aisle didn't want to hang out or felt like they couldn't hang out during the pandemic. And then the ones on the right side felt like they could hang out. And so I just sort of hung out with the ones that wanted to hang out. But no, I, I it, you know, everyone always says, oh, look at your old partner, Jimmy Kimmel. Look, look what he's saying on his late night show and his monologue and stuff. He's saying the exact opposite of what I'm saying, but I'm here to tell you I just spent the weekend with Jimmy at his daughter's wedding in in Nashville, Tennessee. Like, I literally got back last night. Nice. So uh, there's no shunning going on in either direction. They didn't have you in the driveway at the Nashville venue then. They let You, you had your little name tag and everything. You know, that's interesting because I think people do, I don't want to say the media, but people do want to have these feuds that don't exist where they're like, they just assume that if you guys disagree on this, even though you've been friends for what, you know, 25 years, that it's fallen apart. Now, I saw our friend Jim Brewer is saying if a venue requires vaccination, he won't play it. You know, as opposed to some entertainers who are saying the opposite. Do you have a policy either way or you're just saying, listen, I'm having a freaking show. If you want to come, you want to come. Yeah, I'm not. I've always been one of those atheists who never felt compelled to let everyone know I was an atheist because I always felt like it becomes its own religion at a certain point. And I kind of feel that way about COVID, which is I played a bunch of shows in theaters Two weekends ago, I was in uh, Detroit or outside of Detroit at Royal Oak. And then I went in to, God, was it Minneapolis? Well, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is, oh, Kansas City. So I've done shows at clubs where there's no vaccine mandate. They pack the club and everyone is there laughing their ass off with no mask. And then... I have played theaters where there's a mandate and people need to show proof of vaccination and they have stringent rules. And my feeling is, is that's the rule for that particular theater or business or whatever. I'm, I'm just coming in to make people laugh. So I, I'm not there to tell them what to do or what not to do. They'll establish that. 
and then I'll show up. How do you think this period of time, whether it's the pandemic, social media, and the way that those two things kind of mix together, continue to kind of split us apart, and the culture is getting more coarse, it seems. How is that affecting comedy, do you think, writ large? People are starting to think about what they're saying more than they ever did in the past. Um, which is a, a weird place to be in for comedians. You know, I don't think you want your comedians or any form of artist to really be parsing out their words, worrying about how people are going to receive it or perceive it, or if it's going to be taken out of context. And so I think it has definitely hurt the process because anytime you're thinking about saying something and then stopping yourself and thinking, what are the ramifications of that? Or could that be more trouble than it's worth? Then you're interrupting the process. Mm. And we'd like that process to be as unfettered as possible. And we definitely love all the comedians of the past, whoever that person is. We herald them now because they said we herald their arrivals at the time because they said what they wanted to say. And, and we go, oh, that was so gutsy or so bold of them. And now we're kind of attempting to muzzle a lot of people. And it's not like anyone tells you what to say. You will edit yourself or a lot of people will edit themselves because they're thinking a couple of moves down the road. And they don't want to say something that is going to get them out of some kind of you know lucrative Netflix deal. So it's not a good time, I don't think, for comedy. Is there something that you've done? Is there? Can you think of a moment? You don't have to tell us what it is, but is that uh, you know it's just not worth the trouble. No, I feel very obliged to answer everything and to say everything. That's kind of my rule. I feel like it's my job. I don't even really feel like I have a choice. I know that sounds weird. I just feel like you took the oath of a comedian, just like you were sworn in to be a police officer or something. And if once you take the oath to be a police officer, even if a guy you hated in high school was having trouble with a guy you loved in high school, you'd still have to, you'd have to do your job. And and I look I look at comedy that way. Like way I that. took an oath, I have to do my job. You know, it's interesting though, Adam. To me, and I don't know if you really saw all this coming, but I feel like, and I know you, it probably drives you nuts because every time anybody has a podcast, including the two idiots you're talking to right now, everybody cites you. Oh, you know, you can't make money with podcasts. Well, look at Adam Carolla. And I always say to people, you know, the difference between you having a podcast <laughs> and Adam Carolla is you're not Adam Carolla, who already had a career. But you've kind of taken the reins and taken control. You mentioned Netflix. You're not really beholden to these, you know, to these giant behemoths because you've got your podcast and you produce and direct. You know, you're a prolific filmmaker at this point, and you do your shows. So it's sort of like, who's going to cancel you? Your audience comes to you because they're fans of you. You're not really depending on the studios or uh, some big, uh, you know, corporate teat, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I'm sympathetic to the people that are working for a big network or a big company and, you know, kind of button their lip or don't, you know, play their cards close to the vest or, or whatever it is. Take Take the vaccine, even if they have natural immunity or something or whatever that thing is that they don't really want to do, but they kind of have to do it because that's 
they're, you know, they got kids. Like, you know, you got a mortgage. I never say to those people, you know, be a rebel, take a stand. It's tough. And at the end of the day, everyone has to make the right decision for them and their family and their livelihood and, and all that kind of stuff. For me, I sort of felt which way the wind was blowing a decade ago. And I just kind of realized, I don't think I'm going to be part of this main stream or whatever we're calling this. Mm-hmm. It just, I feel like I'm going to want to do my own thing and say what I want to say. It was kind of funny because I've been podcasting for over 12 years. Oh. And someone said to me the other day, when I was doing an interview, they said, oh, you must have seen this coming. And I said, no, 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 I didn't see anything coming. And then I paused and I went, well, maybe I did because I acted exactly like I saw this coming. Yeah. People compare this to a pendulum, though, and it's, it's swung so far in this direction. Do you think it will swing back? Because you're starting to see it, you know, in terms of there's almost a hunger for normalcy or at least, you know, to come back to some sense of where we came from to go down maybe another fork in this road. I, you know, I always have this theory that hair bands gave way to grunge, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and before that it was Crosby, Stills and Nash and Neil Young at 10 minutes later it was disco, <laughs> right? So we have this thing of like LA, it's funny, LA is kind of interesting because the more Teslas you see driving around LA, the more Jeeps with lift kits and gun racks you see in LA. Like there are like two cars in LA. There's <laughs> Teslas and Jeeps with lift kits on them. You know what I mean? Like, so who, what is this? It's a reaction to another reaction. Right. Right. So it's kind of like, I see, you know, people always go, where's this heading? And I go in five years, everyone's either going to be in a safe space or an octagon. Those are like the two, that's how we roll now. (laughs) That is is really true. And it seems to me that we are splitting up like that. And it's scary. You know, we see it in Chicago in, you know, really dramatic and in some cases really violent ways. There seems to be no consequence to anybody or people don't feel a sense of consequence or maybe they feel like uh, it's like end of days kind of, you know, where, where, you know, anything goes. It was after the pandemic, I noticed this, at least on the roads here in the Midwest, is that people started driving uh, like through red lights. There's a little uh, Mad Max going Yeah. On. I mean, it, it, oh my God. It's like, well, yeah. The last time I was in Chicago, my favorite thing to do in Chicago is obviously go to a steakhouse and have a martini and a steak. And they moved everyone out on the, out on the street because they wouldn't let anyone inside. And uh, I'll make a doc reference that maybe you two will pick up. But the uh, 12 o'clock boys which is a a doc you guys should look up if you haven't seen it already. Basically, the kids who ride the ATVs and the dirt bikes (laughs) and the dune buggies all just came down the street. And (laughs) it was full Mad Max. And they're just throwing revs and popping wheelies. There's no license plates. There's no turn signals. There's no licenses. There's no helmets. There's no running lights. At a certain point, somebody hit a pedestrian in their quad. And there were no cops anywhere to be found. And that was right through the heart of yeah. Chicago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that I, was those right Those are actually down. our new, that's our new police department, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> they they uh, got to do it. No, I, you're right. We do get that. We get motorcycles like that, too. Uh, you mentioned documentaries, Adam. And I, I've told people, you know, time and again, you've made some great films, a lot of them about racing. There's a 
brilliant one you did about Paul Newman's racing career. Are you working on anything now? Yeah, I have um, a doc called Uppity, which is kind of civil rights meets racing, which is the first black driver at Indy, sort of a civil rights racing story. Um, that one is out. Um, I did basically Ford v. Ferrari, the movie. I did that doc called The 24-Hour War uh, before the Matt Damon, Christian Bale movie came out. And also we made one about Carol Shelby before, presciently, sort of before Ford versus Ferrari came out. So, um, and all our stuff, uh, you can see Uppity or or The 24-Hour War or The Shelby Doc. That's on Netflix. But we also have it uh, on our Pluto TV channel, our chassis, C-H-A-S-S-Y. Have all those movies are there, including the 12 O'Clock Boys, which is a doc I think you both would like wow. uh, about those kids in the inner city cool. who got the dirt bikes and yeah. are doing the wheelies down the street. Um, yeah, but there's yeah, no way to stop all, them. You know, it, it, it's really interesting that you bring that up because it's become uh, a, a bit of a nuisance to the business owners and the restaurant owners, as you're mentioning, downtown. And it, it goes on. And it, it, a lot of people in Chicago, for those who have not been to Chicago, it's it, it's a really vertical city downtown and for you know a couple miles in each direction. Mm. And it's, and so there's a lot of people living in high rises and in canyons, kind of like New York, but just a little thinner and longer. And it's and it, it just it's unbelievably loud in what they're doing. And they go till you know two or three o'clock in the morning. There's there's a, a place called Lower Wacker Drive in Chicago, which has this reverberation, which I think they really like because it's like a cave. They use it in the dark night. Yeah, you know? I mean, right, exactly. And it's yeah. it is it's wild here. And but you know, to, going back to that point, it's like there just seems to be this notion of hey, there's nothing that can happen to me right now, and the worst has happened, and maybe I've made it through this, and I just don't care. I'm just going to do what I want to go do. It's, it's a real sense of independence, but also I think a lack of community gets found there. Well, and also, I mean, imagine being a cop. So if the cop does chase a guy on a dirt bike and the guy on the dirt bike gets into an accident, the community blames the cop. Right. So the cops are told you can't chase these guys. Correct. So they have impunity. Like, there's a reason why they're going down in the middle of the street in the middle of the night. You know, like, they're, they're, not, they're not looking over their shoulder. So it's a kind of breakdown of rule of law. And, you know, everyone's got a different opinion on defunding the police and whatever, or reimagining the police. But the, the bottom line is there's got to be some rules. And, you know, some poor lady, like I said, I was just there one night and a lady got hit by a guy in a quad who was Jeez. riding a wheelie like across the street. Yeah. So it'd be nice if uh, there was a, a little less lawlessness. Yeah, it kind of kind of takes the you know the the shine off that carrot cake they're bringing out for dessert there on the outdoor table for you when there's a, yeah. you know, somebody. Yeah. Uh, listen, Adam Carolla is playing the Park West in Chicago this Friday. Uh, Adam, before we let you go, I have to ask you about Norm McDonald. I know you did the sports show with him about a decade ago. Um, I I I'm hearing from a lot of folks that did not know he was sick. I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts because it was kind of shocking, and and of course you know. So sad to hear of Norm's passing. Yeah, it's uh, Norm and I 
spent a lot of time together in studios, kind of jamming and riffing and doing comedy. And, you know, I, I, had a, I have a weird position in life because people thought I was Norm MacDonald and a lot of people thought Norm MacDonald was me. So it was it, my, you know, when your doppelganger, mm. uh, or at least your comedic doppelganger moves on, it's, uh, it is like a party you died. I will say that if people want to hear Norm MacDonald, I'd say, Modestly, it is funniest. You can just YouTube him with me in radio studios, just like deconstructing Kenny Rogers songs and stuff <laughs> like that. And like really seeing Norm and his like free formed bass. Uh, but yeah, he was enigmatic guy. He was a strange guy. He was a super talented guy. He was a super funny guy. He, he was all, all the things you think of Norm McDonald that. That was him. And uh, and again, as we talked about at the beginning, just old school, say anything, wasn't trying to win a popularity contest. And, you know, just to bring it full circle, I think that's what we like in comedians, right? Without question. We had the great pleasure of having him on a number of times over the years. And we had one of the most surreal things ever in my three decades of doing this was we were doing a show and Burt Reynolds was live with us in a concert venue. And we, we let Norm MacDonald know that. And Norm MacDonald called in as a caller as Burt Reynolds. <laughs> and I can now say, I mean, they're both gone, but it was, it was a magical moment made more magical by the fact that Burt Reynolds was so freaking drunk that he, at one moment, mm -hmm. I thought he thought to himself, did I just say that? Yeah, he he wasn't sure what was. Yeah, he might have been talking to himself, and uh, that was. And as Adam mentioned, one of the things I loved, and you are, I mean, you know, listen, I think it's the highest compliment that you and Norm sometimes people would say because you're, you know, very similar, super smart guys who have, you know, always carved your own way. And I, I love the fact that when when Norm did Burt Reynolds on Jeopardy on the famous skits on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> He was doing 1972 Burt Reynolds, and no one ever commented on that. It was like, you know, Sean Connery was kind of, you know, Daryl Hammond and Sean Connery was pretty much the age that Sean Connery would expect to be. But, like, it was just like, okay, he's just doing them because that's probably the choice that Norm made. He wasn't doing 80-year-old Burt Reynolds. You know? <laughs> but was, was Burt Reynolds ever really any different? I mean, he that was a guy that different was... Different toupees. Right, right, exactly. It's the only thing. He just grayed out the toupee. But it was... It was no, that would... Yeah... Roper, you're spot on. Like that was the genius of that bit was ninety. You know, Reynolds from Gator is yeah. what he was doing, <laughs> and that was the genius of that bit. Like just making the decision that everyone else would live in real time, and Norm's character be 28 years in the past. Perfect. That was such a perfect. And and then once you once you make that decision, everything else is hysterical. Right, That's so true. The beauty of it. Yeah, so true. It's a, it a pinch-me moment to be standing there with Burt Reynolds anyway, right? I mean, it just, no matter how you cut it, Burt Reynolds will always be Burt Reynolds. I don't care, drunk, sober, whatever he was going to be. He asked our intern out. Yes, he, he did. You know, he actually asked her out. What, what are you doing for <laughs> oh, dinner wow. tonight? She's 22. <laughs> and she said, well, <laughs> well, Mr. Reynolds, I'm flattered, but I have to go to school. <laughs> think that Burt Reynolds that's just I yeah. mean who who said no she to Burt Reynolds great. she thought right. it was great yeah, yeah that was a beautiful thing about it all right I want to get the specifics of this correct now because on Friday coming up this Friday which is the 24th of September at the Park West in Chicago uh, how do people get tickets Adam Carolla 
You can go to adamcarolla.com and find them there because you probably go to parkwest.com or, you know, whatever, however you would get tickets to the Park West. Uh, or you can just try adamcarolla.com. Yeah, I think both have some the information. Yeah. And yeah. also you have upcoming shows, I'm assuming, on that site as well or will have upcoming shows. So oh, yeah. People can just go there yeah, and find you true. wherever they are. Wherever they are. Yes. Awesome. Wherever I am. <laughs> Which is where <laughs> they should fair. be. I, I should be there, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. Well, Adam Carolla, thank you so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And, um, you know, we're all mourning the loss of your doppelganger, your comedic doppelganger this week, because it was a shock, as Richard pointed out. None of us knew that he, uh, many of us did not know, I should say, that he uh, was ill and uh you know, it's that's that thing, though. You know, it's, there's an internal nature to comedy, an internal nature to that moment of, you know, when you remember something, whether it is, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live work that he did or the work he did with you. I mean, it's just it's all brilliant. It goes into, you know, a great pantheon of, you know, of great comedic work. So thank you for bringing that part. Well, and uh, let's just end on an upbeat note and mention that the other guy who's always going to be associated with Adam, Jimmy Kimmel, has not shunned Adam Carolla. <laughs> And that is good news as well. So, uh, Adam, I'm, I'm yeah. glad to hear you're doing well and, and getting out there and doing shows. You're always a great live performer as well. We really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And before we leave you, I want to remind you, of course, that Screen Time with Roan Roper is brought to you in part by Portillo's. Yes, Portillo's known for their famous Chicago hot dogs. All the freshest, tastiest ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun. And, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. But that is just the beginning, my friends. This menu is bursting with mouth-watering varieties of charbroiled burgers, Italian beef, cheese fries, chopped salads, and the chocolate cake. <laughs> I can't stop talking about the chocolate cake because it's the best in the world. The best chocolate cake you're ever going to find. So, if you are lucky enough to be in the Portillo's in Chicago or parts of Illinois, Florida, California, and Arizona, or listen to this, if you just have a mailbox or a front door, you can have it ordered directly oh, to you. I have one of those. Yes. Either one. Mailbox or front door. Doesn't have, well, a P.O. box probably not a good idea, no, especially if you're not going to pick it up immediately, cake, but no. it's a separate thing. Portillo's is available anywhere in the United States of America by ordering at portillos.com. It's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. Hey, I got to mention, too, there's a new show coming on Fox called The Big Leap. And in an episode upcoming, there's this whole group comes from Detroit to Chicago. And these two people, they're downtown Chicago. And one of them says, there's a Portillo's right around the corner. There you go. Cut to the two of them Say. sitting on the stairs having some Portillo's. So nice product placement for Portillo's on the Big Leap, which we will be reviewing in a few weeks right here on Screen Time. This podcast is also brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Our executive producers are Tim Melanius and Renee Nelson. Our editor and production director is Demita Menezes. Everybody doing a fantastic job behind the scenes, making us sound good. And we also, of course, want to thank everybody who's been downloading, subscribing, and sharing the news about screen time. We have now done over 50 episodes, and we're just getting warmed up, as Al Pacino says in Scent of a Woman. See you next time. <laughs>